Next Chapter Podcasts. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, Brady PG 13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This is not what I was expecting from the band Los Lobos. This is like incredible blues. It's Don't Worry Baby by Los Lobos off of their 1984 album, How Will the Wolf Survive? It's also number 455 out of 500 on the Spotify original, The 500, with me, Josh Adam Myers, a.k.a. The King of Fleas. What's up, Fleas Army? If you haven't gotten a ranking yet in the Fleece Army, because I've been doing that on social media, people like hit me up and I'm like, you're a captain, you're a general. Hit me up on social. Let me know that you're listening to the 500 and you're, you're a part of the Fleece Army and I will give you your ranking. Because when you're in the Fleece Army, you're joining me on this journey through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. And I mean it, man. This is the greatest recorded music in the history of the world. So get your ranking. Football has started, so I know it's difficult sometimes to listen to these records, but do it. Why? When you're watching your team shit the bed and you're losing the house on the bet that you made on sportsbookie.com, you know, put this soundtrack on. Let it play in the background. It's fine. September 27th, guys, we're doing a live 500 recording at Just for Laughs Toronto. I'll be in Toronto. I'm so excited. I've never been there before. Uh, But come and join me, man. Tickets are at my website at www.joshadammyers.com. There's the link that'll take you to the Just for Laughs page. Or just go to hahaha.com and you can get tickets. JFL Montreal was so much fun. They're having me back because it's only getting bigger. Because of all of you guys doing the Instagram stories. You didn't think I was going to promote this this week, but I did. Instagram stories, guys, take a screenshot of how you're listening to The 500 and tag me at Josh Adam Myers and put a hashtag The 500 Podcast because we are trying to get the word out and I know my Felice Army knows people. Give us that 24-hour ad on your social media and I will love you forever. Now, like I said at the beginning, I didn't know what to expect from this record. I didn't know much about Los Lobos, so here we go. Released in October of 1984 and produced by T-Bone Burnett and Steve Berlin, How Will the Wolf Survive is the second full-length album by the Chicano rock group Los Lobos, who, on their first album, modestly referred to themselves as Just Another Band from East L.A. The roots of Los Lobos began in East Los Angeles in 1973 by Garfield High School student, vocalist-guitarist Cesar Rosas, 
and his slightly older neighbor vocalist and multi-instrumentalist Francisco Frank Gonzalez, who was interested in Mexican folk music. They were soon joined by drummer multi-instrumentalist Louis Perez, guitarist vocalist David Hidalgo, and bassist Conrad Lozano, all former students of Garfield High as well. They founded the group as Los Lobos del Este de Los Angeles, the Wolves of East Los Angeles. Although they had all played in top 40 cover bands, they wanted this band to reflect the heritage of their Mexican folk roots. For authenticity, they all learned to play additional traditional Mexican instruments. I can't believe Morty would put those two words together in this thing. Why would you put additional traditional? Do you understand how hard that was, people, for me to say? After an argument, Gonzalez left the band in 1976. Why? Why would he leave? A year later, in 1977, Los Lobos del Este recorded their debut album as an acoustic folk group and gained some popularity within their community. However, after playing with a lot of other local punk-influenced bands like X, Circle Jerks, and especially The Blasters, they wanted to get heavier and reach larger audiences. So they mixed their traditional Mexican music with Zydeco, R&B, soul, Tex-Mex, folk, country, and rock and roll. The EP that followed in 1983, titled And A Time To Dance, saw them shorten their name, partner up with producers T-Bone Burnett and former Blasters member Steve Berlin, record a cover of the Richie Valens hit Come On Let's Go, and eventually, this is really cool, eventually win the first, the first Grammy Award for Best Mexican-American Performance for the song Anselma. That's awesome. Besides being a critical success, it allowed them to buy a Dodge van and tour the U.S. for the first time. They returned to the studio in the summer of 1984 to record their major label debut for Warner Brothers Records. Once again, produced by T-Bone and Steve Berlin, who had previously played woodwinds on their EP, they officially added Steve as a member on this album. The white and Jewish Berlin was the only non-Latino in the band. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Hey, guys, I, I can't play next week. It's Purim. What the fuck is Purim, Holmes? I mean, it's, I don't even really know what it is. I just know I, I got to go to shul. What the fuck is shul, man? What is that circle on your head? I don't know why. What is that? A yamulka? The fuck is a yamulka? Is that racist? I can say it. I'm Jewish. The album was another critical success. Though it only peaked at number 47 on the Billboard charts, it stayed on for 34 weeks and cemented their popularity. A few years later, they would record more Richie Valens songs for the 1987 biopic movie La Bamba, whose title track would go on to go to number one and make them popular worldwide. Well, they deserve it because this is a great record. And I've got a great guest whose popularity is going to hit worldwide popularity my friend frankie quinones a great stand-up comedian but man his character work is top notch one of my personal favorites is cholo fit where he plays the character creeper and he teaches other cholos how to work out it is extremely funny and you can see it on his social media maybe you've seen him in the dress-up gang which premiered at sundance maybe you've heard his voice on victor and valentino on cartoon network I've been looking for an album to sit down and talk to him with, and when I saw this one pop up, I threw the Hail Mary, hoping he was a fan of Los Lobos, and the dude was like, dude, I love that band. So I was like, 
yes. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500 and listen free on Spotify or anywhere you get your podcast. but listen to it on Spotify. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com to tell us if we're doing a good job and tell us if you don't like my opinion or you love my opinion. And for all things 500, guys, go to the website, the500podcast.com. Well, now that I've gotten through all the mishmash, nothing left to say, but here we go with number 455 out of five, honey, with How Will the Wolf Survive by Los Lobos. Thanks for not jumping uh, jumping in on that, dude. I really, yeah. <laughs> I just I feel like such an idiot every time yeah. I do that. So are you? So so I asked you to do this because I'm a huge fan of yours. Uh, but you said you were a fan of Los Lobos. Like, oh yeah. How did that sure, start? Man. Like, to be honest, I mean, uh, there's a obviously a famous famous movie called La Bamba. That, oh, uh, that's how I knew him. Oh really? Okay, Dude, perfect. Every, yeah. Everybody knew La Bamba. Everybody when when that came out, Lou Diamond Phillips. Come on. Yeah. Well, you know, some of my family members knew about him before, and I guess it, you know because they're they're from East LA. But uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, obviously when La Bamba came out, we all, I mean a lot of a lot of people fell in love with that from every background stuff like that. But that's when I first saw. You know, when you saw Richie get the inspiration and when he was in TJ and then you saw Los Lobos playing on stage. And then I was like, who are these guys? He looked them up and they had already been putting music out, you know, like since, I don't know, I think before the since 80s. Like maybe. The, well, this came out in 84. Yeah, so that came out. this is their second record. Yeah, so yeah. I was probably, you know, I was thinking I was already like three or four years old at that time. So obviously I didn't, I didn't know who they were until, yeah, until, until La Bamba came out. And then I started just going through kind of all their music and my parents were into them already. And so I kind of started digging in there. That's why when you sent me this album, I was like, I don't know if I'm familiar with that. But then I saw the album cover, and then I had flashbacks of it, my dad having the audio cassette of it. And nice. I was like, oh, I was like, okay. Because I got worried when I sent it to you, and I was like, have you listened to uh, How Will the Wolf Survive? And you were like, huh? And I was yeah. like, fuck. I was like, well, <laughs> hopefully he listens to this yeah. shit. I just forgot that that was the name of it, but when I saw the album cover, I was like, oh, that one. All right, cool. So you, so you grew up with this in your household. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Are you from Los Angeles? Yeah, yeah. I was born in LA, in San Fernando. And in then, San Fernando so, uh, Valley? And then I mostly grew up in Ventura County, uh, which is like an hour north. Uh, we moved there when I was young. And then I moved to you know San Francisco, San Pancho, we call it. And then I lived there for like 18 years, but now I've been back here for six years. Okay. So so is is a band like Los Lobos, like are they are they respected in like the the Latin music community? I mean Yeah, I mean, for sure, man. I would say for sure. There was I mean, just just based off people I was around, I wouldn't say even for myself, like when you saw them do because we fell in love with them because of the La Bamba thing and then the playing, you know, singing in Spanish and stuff like that and and um and then you saw him do kind of like the rock thing and it's like oh wait what what are they doing here like and then so i think there was a little bit of like oh these fools selling out or da 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 but i was like nah man they're just rocking out dude and then you, you started listening to it and and then you appreciated it more and more because it was just because it was a lot of for me it was like the first time i saw that like an all latino group yeah that also saying like corridos and cumbias but singing like 
folk music. So our album is number 455 out of 500. It's the second studio album, How Will the Wolf Survive by Los Lobos, released October 1984. Produced, and this is something that, that really shocked me, produced by Steve Berlin, who I didn't know, but this one I knew, T-Bone Burnett. Do you know who T-Bone Burnett oh, is? Whoa. T-Bone Burnett yeah, yeah, yeah. is one of the most acclaimed uh, movie soundtrack producers like ever. The guy, let's I'm looking at it right now. He did all the Coen Brothers movies. So he's did the big one was Oh Brother Where Art Thou, uh, right. Big Lebowski, Cold Mountain, uh, Divine Secrets of the Yah Yah Sisterhood, my favorite movie, and Crazy Heart. Just a whole bunch of shit. And then he's worked. Adam, my producer, said he's been out recording. I, I knew he went solo or he did solo stuff, but. Just and I think that's kind of what I heard because as, as I was listening to this record, I was like, "Man, this sounds so well produced!" Like oh, yeah. every even when it transitions from from blues into corrado, was it corrado? Corridos, corridos. Yeah. How white do I fucking sound? No, no, corrado. Cor- Cor- was it a corrado? Goddamn corridos. The fuck? They Don't worry, man. My Spanish ain't perfect either. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you can roll that N really good. Oh yeah, then. corridos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or the, roll the R. There it is. Yeah, yeah. Corrido. I can do. I can do that. I can do that shit. <laughs> fucking, I've lived here twelve years in Los Angeles, but I had no idea. Like, I, I think that's fucking incredible. And then, like, this is a legit record. Rolling Stone magazine ranked this album number thirty in the hundred best albums of the eighties, which just wow. blew my mind. Wow, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, that's, so so like, I, yeah, I, I I just knew it was on the five hundred when you sent it, and then uh, and then I didn't know it was the top thirty in the eighties. Wow. So top thirty for hundred best records of the eighties. I wonder what was before and what's after that too. But but either way, it's like this was really for me an enjoyable experience for you listening to it now. Like, how did how did it you know resonate with you? Yeah, man. It, it I'm so glad that you sent it because once I recognized the album cover, I was like, oh man, my dad had this on audio cassette, and then. You know, re-listening to it, I'm like, I was, I, I definitely would appreciated it more now than I guess I did back then. I probably scrolled through some songs back then or fast forwarded. It, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, uh, it's so, it's just diverse. It's so, so much variety in it. Yeah. And uh, and it just appreciated me, like you know, myself and my parents were both born uh here in, in the in the L A and L A area, so. Um, so you know, your, your parents are, are they first generation Americans or yeah, or? Mike. So yeah, yeah. So my grandfather is from, uh, my dad's side is from Mexico, you okay. know? And then my mom is part Mexican native American though. Uh, like her, her, uh, uncle is, uh, you know, she just became chief of our tribe like last October, but our reservation is right on the other side of, uh, the, 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 the fence for now and might be a wall, hopefully not, but, uh, of Juarez, Mexico, which is in, uh, El Paso, Texas. So yeah. there's an Isleta Pueblo. So everybody's. Kind of, it's like a Mexican tribe, pretty much. You know, they do. Some people sp- speak the dialect, but a lot of people speak Spanish and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, but growing up in America. So, uh, all right, let's dive into the record. Let's go okay, into the go, first cool. track. All right, so first song, uh, "Don't Worry, Baby." Play the intro for a second. How will the wolf survive? Let me tell you guys, by a bunch of Mexicans playing rhythm and blues. That is how <laughs> the wolf is going to expire. This song is incredible. Not as it just not only is it great rhythm and blues, but it shows you how good these guitarists are. So they were the first ones to be like, "Yeah, fuck it, we're a Latino band. We're from Eastside, but we get you know this is what we do." 
And so it's kind of like, it was encouraging, you know? It's like, just be yourself, man. You don't got to worry about being too much of this or too much of that. Just... Yeah, if you want to play fucking rhythm and blues and John Johnny Lee Hooker style blues, you know, guitar, fucking do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can still be Chicano as fuck and fucking play some blues, man. <laughs> no, this is, this is great. All right, so this song is about not letting life get you down. Um, one, so I've known you probably for about two or three years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time I see you, you're one of the happiest guys. You just have this really positive energy. Also, you're around very positive people. How do you stay positive in such a negative profession? <laughs> right. I, I mean, for me, man, it's like, you know, obviously depression and anxiety is a motherfucker, but, uh, the, the times that I'm most happy is when I'm around people, especially around my peers too. And like, we all share that common ground over trying to go on stage and make people feel good or laugh or whatever it is. But uh, I would say that's when I thrive personality-wise the most when I'm around people because I'm just like, ah, yes, you know, energies and we're all going through shit and da-da-da. But my mom and dad were, they're, they're probably the biggest influence as far as positivity because when I was little, we lived in a one-bedroom apartment, and but, you know, but they were always so positive. Yeah. So, like, the whole, like, oh, you know, we don't have that much, we don't have money part, it didn't really... Because they were just like, no, but there's positivity and love. Because we're together. Music, music was a big thing. Like, they were like, you know, Earth, Wind & Fire, Maze, Frankie Beverly, Brass Construction, you know, Los Lobos, Santana, freaking, you know, Chicago. That There was always music and humor on. And so, and then I saw them grow. And then they, they you know, they achieve all their goals. And positivity was like their religion. And music and humor was like the forefront of that. You know what's you know? funny is that most people that I know that come from homes that are just maybe a little bit tighter with money... You know, so I'm not, I want to. I don't want to say struggling, but just definitely like they like the father and the mother work, and they're or they're taking care. The mom's taking care of kids, and it's just like, you know, I want to buy this, and they're like, no, we can't have that because we can't afford that. Those are some of the happiest families because yeah, they just yeah, come yeah. up with ideas and just just things that are free or whatever, and just being together. It's just there's some of the most positive people I met, and then also some of the richest people I've met are the most negative motherfuckers. <laughs> right, I got right. I got cousins from Long Island that have so much money, and all of them have been in therapy since they were like two. Oh fuck, dude. Yeah, so I mean, it's like it just—I just don't think. God it bless makes, your cousins up there listening, right? But you mentioned something that that struck you. He's not listening to this. Jared, are you listening to this? Jared, Lindsay, Zuflack, are you listening? Bobby, are you listening? Michelle, any of you? Give me a sign. <laughs> Watch, well, I'm just like I don't get invited to like their kids' bar mitzvah. I'm like, what? What happened? <laughs> oh, really? You know? Remember Los Lobos? Yeah. I'm like, Jesus. Remember Christ. the Carreros? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, but you mentioned something else. You said you said uh, depression and anxiety. So like, you know, 
depression is something that I constantly battle. It's like, have you had like a low point in your career where it was really at its peak? For sure. When was that? I, I mean, that's probably, ah, I don't know, maybe about a year and a half ago, a couple years ago or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it was when things kind of started happening in your uh, career. Quickly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not that I'm like this huge thing, but, you know, you go from busting tables and delivering sandwiches and the next thing you know, it's like, oh, I got this much in the bank from doing this. And then, then all of a sudden everything, you know, and then you just feel the pressures and, and then things are pulling at you and then you feel kind of overwhelmed and then you, and then you don't feel like you have the right to complain to anybody about it. Like, why am I feeling this way? Why am I, I should be happy, you know, and then you're like, well, fuck. And, you know, and then you just start having those thoughts, man. My mind does a good place of taking itself to a dark place right away, which I think we could all relate to. Like, oh, yeah. You know, one minute you're like, hey, no, things are good. Then I'm sitting in a room by myself and I'm like, it would be so easy to leave right now, right? Say, yeah, don't want to be. He's like, maybe I should put on Storage Wars or something to cheer me up. Oh, I've been there. Oh, I know, man. It's always when you're at, it's always, because what happens is, I think, was when you, when you finally start getting everything you want and you still feel the anxiety of just, because it's just being alive. Like, everybody yeah. suffers from anxiety. And then, and depression is just, you know, was the depression coming from you looking at where you're at, but then still seeing where other people were at and being like, well, I'm not up there? Or is it just, nah, not, not that. anxiety like, I get. It's never... I, I've kind of like at first, and maybe in my first couple years of doing comedy, it was like, you want to go in, I want to be the funniest person on the lineup, da da da. But then when I felt like I started getting better, when I was like, nah, nah, man, it's it's not about that. It's just like, we're all, you know, you start thinking about the whole one life to live thing and fucking da da da. And then it was just like, it's about all of us together and da da da. So I don't look at other comics and try to compete with them at all. I just like trying to do my own thing. But when when you reach those points of like, oh man, you know, you picture these things in your head and then you go for it like work wise and putting the work in and then once you get it and then you're supposed you know you feel like you're supposed to be happy and then you're not happy i think that just feeds into more like into the depression like wait but i'm supposed to be happy why not and then you just fucking you know get dark as fuck and da 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 but i don't know man i'm just getting wordy now and no, not, no. not explaining it no, right no, no, but, you're, but, you're uh, explaining it perfectly dude but uh um so I, how did you come out of that situation where all the people are pulling at you and you're in that dark place after getting the success and quitting your jobs. Like, how did you come out of that? Yeah, I, I, <clears throat> I would say, you know, I could be fucking back to rock bottom next year. I don't, I, I don't know. You're not. But, don't worry. But <laughs> you're not. Trust me, dude. You're hysterical. You're. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I think it was. You're just, like, what if you were like, uh, you don't know about my crippling gambling addiction? Yeah. <laughs> I'm betting on the horchata. <laughs> <laughs> like what are, you bet on drinks we do sometimes it's weird but horchatas eh? micheladas eh? is he gonna get the horchata or michelada I got a 20 on it <laughs> oh shit oh shit it's wet burrito wet burrito what, what does that get me it's even oh thank god give me money back but uh yeah I was thinking of just learning to harness it you know like be like hey man this is what it is and da 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 and Instead of like beating myself up over the small, I'm always, my mind's always looking for the next thing to beat itself up over, mm -hmm. and then so, and then just you know laying off the the booze and the drugs and you know kind of meditating and all that shit. Yes, and, yes. And more just uh uh my me and my family have always been so tight, but making more of an effort of that, you know, of getting on the phone with them and da da da, and and you know my gratefully grateful my both my parents are still around, you know my grandfather still lives you know half an hour away from me and. He's 91, still Moses online. I'll go kick it with him. And then, 
kind of just focus on the relationships yeah because i know not everybody has that you know yeah. like i said we started from nothing but now my mom and dad are doing well you know but when we started in that one part i know not everybody has that if you're if you're living in a low-income situation and you're uh, living with a single parent and it, uh, you have all these other things to do it so i just focus on the positive like yeah man fuck we came from this but look yeah all right so cool thing about this song this was used in the 1985 John Hughes teen comedy Weird Science. I had no idea about that. Did you know that? During the scene where the mob of people show up and rush into the big party. Holy uh, shit. That's fucking I nuts. I had no idea. All right, that goes into a matter of time. Now, I think this one is one of the centerpieces of the record. It's upbeat. It's classic R&B music. And because there is a saxophone solo in it, it kind of sounds like Mexican-American Springsteen anthem. Play 148. Now, all right, listen. I didn't want to like this song. I fucking love this song. I thought it was a little cheesy up front. But now I'm like, this. the only word I can use to describe this song is just lovely. Like, it's <laughs> lovely. So here, sample lyrics. And I hope it's all it seems, not another empty dream. There's a time for you and me in a place living happily. Now, this is about an immigrant coming to America for a better life. And uh, I don't think that could be more relevant than right now. Um, in this story, the immigrant and his wife have a conversation about his impending journey to America and the promise of bringing the family once he can establish an opportunity for their new life. Uh, Damn. Yeah, but you could tell this was written in 1984 uh, because if it was written during the Trump era, I think the lyrics <laughs> right. would be a lot different. It would be like, if we get detained at the border, <laughs> just a matter of time. <laughs> Sent to a concentration camp, just a matter of time. It's so easy to listen to that song though, too, because it's so like kind of chipper. Like it is. You might get away with saying anything, you know? Like we're gonna get over that wall. Don't even worry. It's like, oh, okay. All right. Cool, man. It, no, it's it's completely it's a completely positive. So obviously, this like I said, it's not what's going down now. But you were mentioning your your family's journey to America. So you said your parents were born here, and you, with all the parents before were born out of the country. No, my my so my dad, my mom's father was born on the Indian reservation in, in Texas. Yeah, you know, so which which is right on the like you can literally see the fence from the reservation in Juarez, Mexico, is on the other side, which was got a little crazy for a while. Now it's more chill with the cartel shit. Because <laughs> we used to go over there as kids and like go shopping. And then it was like when the cartel shit started happening, we're like, no, we got to stay over here. Is it that bad? It was bad, dude. Yeah. And uh, but now it's gotten it's gotten better in the last just there, though. I mean, in Mexico, Mexico, it's still a lot of shit going on. But uh, yeah, then my on my dad, my dad's uh, mom was also born here, but his father was born in uh, Mexico, Zacatecas, Mexico. Yeah. Did they have so, a difficult time coming here when they when they chose to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my 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 grandfather tells me story because I'll kind of try to dig in with him, but he's 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 also like a positive guy. We call him a payaso, which is like a clown because he's always joking. That's that's yeah. where they say I got it from. Even now he's ninety one. Like he takes like five naps a day, but he still gets up and like when he's in the middle of a joke or storytelling, he gets up and yeah, he mama's like and he like and I'm like damn, grandpa, hey, chill out, man. Like, you know? but he gets so into like telling a story. Like, Do you have Parkinson's? Because that was very shaky. You were just like, no, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, that's just him excited about a funny part in the story, but. 
But uh, yeah, he tells me the stories. You know, his name's Francisco, but he changed his name to Frank legally so he could try, you know, get get a job because it would he, all those little things would help him, you know. And uh, you know, he just he just worked in a factory. I mean, or not that just, but you know, he he got an opportunity and did his thing. But yeah, he he tells me some crazy stories. It was definitely tough for you know immigrants back then, especially you don't know, speak English, and then you know eventually learn how to speak English. You know, it wasn't perfect, but. It's like uh, just hearing those challenges. I'm like, damn, they had to go up against so much. All right. So now this next song is exactly what I was expecting from Los Lobos. Play the intro. Dude. I fucking love this song, dude. I, you know what it is? Not only do I love this music, but I love the accordion. Uh, the Scottish have the bagpipe, the Americans have the guitar, and the Mexicans and Polish have the accordion. The accordion is the Mexican bagpipe. It's the fucking shit. I love this music so much. It's a simply structured musical poetic form developed in Mexico in the 1800s and was sung in common contemporary language. It became very popular along both sides of the border. Now, uh, mm. even though this song sounds so festive, because it does, it's just so much fun. You can't not move when you fucking hear this shit. It's, a, it's really a song about regret and longing. Yeah, um, and I love that they did it in English. This one's in English, right? Well, yeah. Well, this this song actually, I guess, helped me uh, get in touch with the fact, like, how close this is to like polk, polk, polka, polka. Yeah, you know, like hearing Los Lobos sing a corrido in English, and then you hear the accordion, and I'm like, damn, it sounds pretty close to polka, and then it kind of just makes me question, like, dang, like. What are, where, where are the, where's all the origins of this stuff and who got where and, you know, da, da, da. But same with the, like, my well, my grandfather just turned 91, so we just had his birthday. And there's a, there's a genre of music called tamborazo, which is, it's popular where he's from in Zacatecas, which is all brass. One guy with a drum around his neck, straight up New Orleans style. You know what I mean? And then it's like, oh, dude, what the fuck? So, like, where where is this originally from? Like, obviously, it came to New Orleans a certain way. It came to Mexico a certain way. Like, I don't know. So, well, let me ask you this. What are the similarities between Mexicans and Americans? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Um, it's tough for me to say. I have spent some time in Mexico, you know, but uh, and then just spending time with my grandfather, just seeing him, you know, half his life was in Mexico and then half his life has been here in America. I would think, uh, I mean, there's definitely more opportunity here, I would say. And there's a big separation, though, in Mexico of, like, the class, you know. like So the rich are extremely rich and the poor are extremely poor. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas here, uh, you know, even though we have our stuck-up rich people, there are a lot of very affluent rich people who, you know, we all kind of mix together, whether it be through a festival or just places to eat or whatever the fuck, you know, da-da-da. But in Mexico, it's like if you're a school teacher trying to go to, like, a club downtown, like, they're not going to let you in. And it's like, you know, and I've been in those situations where I had a, a friend who was a school teacher, lived in Mexico, and we're trying to go to a club. And we're like, you know, we're not even wearing that ball in stuff, but they could tell right away, like, who's American, who's not. And they'll be like, hey, we can't let this guy in. And I'm turning to him, what? And then he explains to me in Spanish, you know, like, hey, this is how it is down here. So I had to give the guy, like, the, the bouncer guy, like, an extra 40 bucks or something. And he's like, all right, you know, pasale, you know, just like, get him in. And I'm like, damn. That's messed up. Like, I don't even live here. This homie lives down the street, and you can't let him in. <laughs> and we were the same color, you know, like the yeah. same shade of brown, but they could just, 
you know, they could just tell. And I feel like, I don't know. I feel like, uh, there's more, I mean, now obviously it's changing with the whole administration we have. I feel like those kind of feelings are, you know, kind of coming into our turf now. And it used to just be like, nah, it's all good. Like whatever, you know, as long as you're not about some bullshit. But have you, since the Trump era, have you, have you dealt with a lot more like hatred or, or anything like that? Have you had an instance where you really felt it? I, oh man, definitely. you're traveling a lot too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely a lot of. You know, you know, I've had my times of discouragement and also times of encouragement. You know what I mean? And, you know, I did a show, you know, because it's only been with the la- within the last year, year and a half that clubs are giving me my own weekends, you know, like headlining, you know, and I do, I do myself and my characters live, you know, and I do, you know, Creeper, Cholo, not everybody knows what a Cholo is. And then I do Juanita Carmelita, who's, you know, a female character. So that's me, you know, I'm rocking wedges and lipstick and shit. And then so, you know, I'll go to like, you know, Indiana or whatever. And I'm like, fuck, man. And then uh, I'll never forget this. It was a dude wearing a Trump shirt in the audience. And even my my host, Rudy Ortiz, another Mexican, he came up to me and goes, hey, man, there's a guy wearing a Trump shirt out there. We thought he was there to, like, start shit. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he, he ends up staying after for, like, the meet and greet. It was like, oh, man, you fucking funny as hell. Man, you're though. funny as shit. Yeah. I thought you were going to be terrible. Yeah. Trump told me Mexicans <laughs> are bad. So it's like, fuck, man. Just, it was kind of like, fuck you. But still, ah, man, we found a common ground, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Well, funny's funny. And, and I mean, if you can, you know, what, what you're doing up there is hysterical. So... I'm just surprised. Like he was probably sat down. He was like, "Oh shit, this this dude's a Mexican." All right, well I shouldn't walk out yet. Wait, he's a funny one. He's one of the good ones. And yeah. then what a dumb fuck. Yeah. What if you're like friends with him now and, and he oh, hears man. this? Well, I was like, nervous. He was thinking like I'm making fun of my own people, you know, which is like, like or like, oh yeah, yeah, all Mexicans are. But but he said some stuff to me at the end. I was like, oh, actually, fuck, you get it. He might not be a terrible person. You're just clueless on what the fuck's going on, you know? I don't know. Most most but, of those people that that have ra- that are racist, that's that's they just have no idea. Yeah, they're just clueless, man. Yeah. And it's like sometimes you can't hold it against them, but also it's like, come on, man, get your shit together. But this whole Trump thing has definitely made me just the hatred. Involved. I'm not saying every Trump supporter has, you know, is full of hate, but there's he has a, there's some hatred in his agenda for sure, and it's like makes me relive the the shit, you know. Like I've been spit on, kicked out of places because of my race in California, and some some white friends are surprised by that. Wait, no, but you live in California, yeah. Fuck, I know. All right, and it still happened, you know. It's just like, and it's still happening, and it's probably yeah. happening even more to like younger, you know, sure, you know, minorities or whatever, but. Yeah, yeah, just just make me re- relive all those those moments at, growing up where, you know, I was either removed, like asked to leave places, or fucking kicked out of parties, or fucking da da da, like trying to trying to fit in with other groups, you know, and then just being like, nah, bro, this ain't for you, you know what I mean? And so, you know, I guess that's why I love comedy so much because you could be like, fuck all that shit, you yep. know, and then it's like, but um, but yeah, man, it, it's a shame, man, the hate, and then, uh and then you know, my grand my grandfather came back from serving in like. Vietnam and he was in uniform maybe he's like in I think he was in like I forget where he was Kentucky or something they're just going to a bar he's with this guy and he gets spit on because he's Native American and I'm just like gosh damn like you just came back for haven't they done (laughs) enough to Native Americans (laughs) let one of them have a fucking drink and he was in uniform bro like US military uniform dedicated his whole life to the military (laughs) he was like what are you army I only like navies Jesus (laughs) Hey, this is Scott from Fly on the Call. Each week I speak to a different musician, whether they're in an established band like Silverstein or The Wonder Years, or a band on the rise like Spanish Love Songs, Origami Angel, or Meet Me at the Altar. 
We discuss music and lyrics, the successes and challenges of being in a band, and more, as we get to the core of each artist. The show features musicians of diverse genres and backgrounds, so there's always a chance I'll be talking to your new favorite band. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media podcast network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com, and I'll see you there. All right, let's bring it to the next song. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I love it. I love this. I love this, please. All right, our last night. Now, this is where I really knew I liked the record. Also, I realized that the lead singer, David Hildago, could really sing. Uh, Play a little bit of it for me, Peter. I was fucking dancing my ass off to this. Just it just swings. It's just a fun song and it once again you got this upbeat music but it's another sad yeah, song. Sad, dude. Sad about an impending breakup where the music is just too happy to feel bad about it. Like you don't even know that's what he's singing right. about. Um I loved this song. Your thoughts? Yes, I, I I loved it. I, I I had to listen to it like a few times to be like, because I was like, oh cool. And then I was thinking, oh, they're like on vacation on a trip together, and they met each other out there, but they all got they live in different. And then I started listening more. I'm like, no, they like been in a relationship, but they realize that it's not gonna work out. Yeah. And this is this is it, man. And I was like, gosh, damn, just the layers in it, you know, because. You don't really, you don't really feel it until you listen to the words, because you're, you know, like you said, I was oh. dancing to it too. I'm like, oh, this will feel good. I'm gonna roll down the windows and light a joint. I'm cruising. I feel. I'm like, oh shit, wait, uh, this guy's about to get his heart broken. It's just, they could have been singing like syphilis. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. on your dick. But when you go to the doctor, you then find out you're really sick. Oh, fuck. Next song, The Breakdown. I didn't really like this one. I skipped this one after a few listens. Uh, just here, it does have this really good sax solo in it, but the, there's this clapping. Here, just play 207 real quick. So I like I love a good sax solo, but that clapping in the background just sucks balls like it's just <laughs> terrible all right the next song uh i got loaded uh i really liked this one um this is a cover of camille bob's 1965 single released by his band little bob and the lollipops what i love about this band they have a sax player and they fucking use him <laughs> There is nothing better than a good sax solo. I'm telling you, I think every song on here has had one. So that's why now Los Lobos <laughs> is my favorite band of all time. Uh, but this is a song about just getting fucked up. Hence the title, I Got Loaded. Yeah. Um, what's the wildest thing you ever did while loaded? Oh, man. Oh, 
I don't even know, man. I, I need time to think about that one. But shit, I ran, I, I ran like kind of naked through a mall one time. What? Like I, I, got, I had basketball shorts. How could you not that? You should have had that answer immediately. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I've done some shit, man. But uh, yeah, yeah, explain yeah. the situation. I, I just it was like a, oh my friends oh you know daring me to do it. We were doing some day drinking and I had like these like basketball shorts on and I took everything off but those but I rolled them up into like a thong. Yeah. You know basketball shorts you can kind of roll them up. Yeah. Put them in put them in the crack of my ass and all that. And then just kind of first I was just kind of like walking, just like through the mall and then they were just like you know my friend had a this was back in like camcorder days you know the little thing and. Yeah, just just film me walking through the mall, and then I started running. Just filming people's reactions. I mean, I wasn't that crazy. Then I, from the running, I threw up outside after, not in the mall, but threw up in the parking lot. How but you know, that I was like you seventeen, up. sixteen, seventeen. I didn't think shit. you were fucking thirty, dude. <laughs> it's last week I was at the, the Grove, and uh, <laughs> I, I just, I just like, how great would it have been if you would have had the rolled up basketball shorts thong, and then you threw up st- like in the mall. That's that would have made it even better, man. <laughs> You said you don't drink uh, as much as you used to. Oh, oh no. Like you, I, do you yeah. drink? So you still drink or you quit? Uh, no, I, I still drink. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's a battle. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're one of my inspirations, actually. To, <laughs> to, to quit drinking? To, well, yeah, I don't know if I can quit, you know, but I do like, I do uh, take my breaks, but I always, you know, it's like when I when I feel my, my body tells me when, you know, and I'm like, oh, fuck. You know, da, da, da. all right, lay off this, lay off that. I'll take like a week off, you know, and sometimes it's tougher than others. Sometimes it's easy. Yeah. Especially but, if there's things going on with friends and they're like, hey, we're going to this thing. And you're oh, like, man, well, you know how it is being a comic and we're around it all the time. Yeah. It's in our face all the time. It's just like. There is like, well, first of all, let me ask you, any DUIs? Yes, I got one. You got uh, one? Mm-hmm. I got three, dude. Step your game up. Yeah. I got it dropped to a wet and reckless, though. So, a wet uh, and reckless? Is yeah. that what it's called? It yeah, was yeah. That, it's my favorite porno yeah. movie. I, <laughs> wet and reckless. Wet and reckless, volume 29. <laughs> um, good for you, man. Like, there's there's nothing wrong with recognizing uh, where you're at and being able to take a break. I always say this. You can do drugs. You can drink. But if it starts fucking with your money... You got to cut it loose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and that's yeah, it. And you're in a really, really good position right now. Like, dude, I only see you fucking going like that. So it's just, and if it's getting in the way of you creating, you know, and, and making you a worse artist than you are and taking away that special thing that you have, that's when, and if you can at least see that, you know right. what I mean? Like, that's so important because there's some people that, that are far talented than both of us that never saw that and, you know, don't have careers because of that oh, or are dead. I, I, you know I know what I mean? And I hate seeing that you're on the up. If the circle starts going, starts going down, that's when you take your break. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Dude, have fun for me, please. God, because I can't, <laughs> uh, I'm bored. I want to, God, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Ways, in the news, it's nonstop talk about fentanyl. And I'm like, Oh man, those were good days. But, <laughs> they're like, no, Josh, but they're talking about all these overdoses and deaths. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, it was <laughs> yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, all right. Speaking of fun, <laughs> and fentanyl the okay, next no. song is <laughs> serenata norteña norteña yeah. and uh we're back with the mariachi shit and in a shocker <laughs> serenata norteña translates to northern serenade yeah. i fucking loved this song like i we were talking about it earlier about how much i just like the the vibe of it i love the feeling uh as it comes to this uh mariachi if, if that's what you call it music um it's just so good. But 
what I love the most about this is when that goes from verse to the chorus, that shit just drops. And I and also that guy goes, ah, yeah, 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 and I fucking love that. Play when that shit drops at two two eighteen. <laughs> They slow it down like that. Ugh. Yeah, dude. Dude, they fucking slow it down. And I mean, that's that is a fucking like a drop. Dude, I love this song though because uh, you know, and still how it is in some parts of Mexico, especially like the smaller villages that don't, you know, like where, you know, social media and this and that is like a thing, is like uh even my grandfather would tell me stories like when you liked a girl, you would wait till the night falls and you would have to hire like band members to go serenade the girl. And a lot of times the the guy would go ask the father permission first to give him a heads up, like, hey, I'm gonna come through tonight. And then, you know, the father would approve it. And then they would you come with these like you know, three or four band members, and then you start serenading the girl from outside her home. And then if she turns on her light, that means it she's it's yes. She leaves the light off. You fuck. That means nah, homie. You gotta you gotta work on your skills or she just <laughs> Maybe the lights ugly. broken. Yeah, yeah. Nah, man, they poured. The lights broken. Trust me, I'm gonna keep singing. Hello, la Santa, bitch. Is that nothing? Go, bring, right. go give her a candle just in case. <laughs> She's got the lighter out like it's at a concert. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. No, that's that's incredible. I had no idea about that. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah, kind of kind of reminded me of that. The next song on the record is Evangeline. Now, this is a swinging, upbeat boogie about a young Chicana girl who runs away from home to find something more. In 2012, this song and many others from the Los Lobos songbook were used to create a multimedia stage musical called Evangeline, the Queen of Make-Believe that actually ran at the Bootleg Theater here in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. And Yeah, and I see why. They did this, and they named it after this because this song is fucking great. Play a little bit of it uh, for me, Peter. Don't know where she is or where she's going. She is the queen of make-believe, Evangeline. So the story of Angeline is a, a youthful Chicano uh, growing up in the late 60s, mostly an optimistic albeit naive teenage girl who leaves home in search for her American dream. Evangeline is on the roam, just barely 17 when she left home. Don't know where she is or where she's going. She's the queen to make believe, Evangeline. Uh, no, that's great because I think that's kind of what we're all trying to do is we're all in search of our American dream. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the stupidest thing you ever did as a teenager? Ah, oh, shit, man. I don't know. I guess uh, uh, I, I try to be. I, you know, I tried to be a cholo. I guess it's probably the stupidest thing I did because I got my ass beat. <laughs> Tell me about it. Uh, I was like trying to. You know, I was in a. You know, like a lot of us go through identity crisis kind of thing. I was like twelve, thirteen, and all my cousins were like cholos. You know, they're like gang members and shit. And so, you know, after school, I go to my gra- my my grandma and grandpa's house every day. That's where we would all hang out, including my other cousins who were just maybe a couple years older than me or two, three years older than me. So, you know, I'm 12. They're like 15. And, you know, I want to be down with them. I want to hang out. And then so I'm like, 
trying to dress up like them. And then my mom's like, you ain't dressing like that. My dad's like, nah, nah. Because my dad's an old school cholo. You know, he's like, nah, nah, let him, let him. You know, but if he's going to do it, he's going to do it right. And then so my dad would wake me up at like 5 a.m. He would make me crease my dickies, like starch them, crease my shirt, my white tee, starch them, tuck it in. You know, he, he you know, like be all like, and he's like, all right, you want to do it? Then go out there and do it. You know, you want to rep the shit. I would say it was like about a month in and these two dudes hit me up and I was like, yeah, you know, trying to claim the same gang my cousins were from and all that shit. And, uh, you know, and they slammed my head against a metal door and I got a dent. I still got a dent in my skull right here. And I got 12 staples in my head right here. I don't know if you can I see I got a dent it, in my skull too, back yeah. here. <laughs> Fuck yeah, we're the dented skull boys. Yeah, yeah. The brothers. We got dent skull brothers. <laughs> so, yeah, so after that happened, I was like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> Let's go, go back to just go being back to Frankie. Yeah. Bugle, bugle boy shorts and a car cargo jeans. Like, I don't have to be called the rooster <laughs> anymore. I don't need a nickname. <laughs> but uh, I was probably, I'll probably say that was a stupid, but, but a great learning experience. And I'm glad that I'm almost grateful that it happened because it could have been worse, you know? And then, uh, oh yeah. Let's say you never, that never happens. And you actually get into the gang and, or you just go try to keep trying to fit in and you're in that life. I yeah. Mean, my, and my, you know, my cousins were, always involved in that still kind of are but even they kind of they were always kind of like this ain't for you homie you know like there's something better for you out there they would always tell me stick to the books all right stick to the books all right because they saw that my mom and dad were like working hard to put me on the different path even though they would they would beat my ass themselves sometimes like i appreciated it but uh but yeah 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 i was like you know i think it, it put me put me in the right direction but also i guess doing that stupid thing Help help me isn't get my fun- head straight. Yeah, but isn't it funny that one of your most popular characters? <laughs> yeah, yeah, is that is that, and it's like yeah, yeah. so you do in a sense get to live that out still. Oh yeah, uh, and a lot safer and a oh, lot yeah. more money than probably yeah. the other motherfuckers <laughs> yeah. are making. Well, maybe that's some of it, but uh, but yeah, yeah, it's a uh, and he, and Creepers like uh, he's a fitness instructor, you know, so he's positive and yeah, it, it's straight up like my dad, man. My dad is like. He's uh, when he had kids, it's what like totally changed. But he was always like in a lowrider car club. Like my my Nino, my godfather, his best friend, yeah. was like president of lowrider car club for like thirty years. So I was you know being at lowrider car shows, like you see rival gang members sharing the same space, but they they would leave the drama outside of that because it's all about the cars, you know. So you see that like wow, it's just like having something positive to focus on could change the whole vibe, you know. So it's like. They even talk about it. It's like, they're like, oh, yeah, check out my ride. All right, see you later. Well, hopefully I don't see you later because then we'll have to fight. But right now, just like, hey. All right, next song, uh, I Got to Let You Know. Uh, Really fun song. Uh, I did love the tempo of this. Uh, Play the intro real quick. What I heard from this was it sounded like a sped up version of uh, something from the Coasters from the 1960s, just like an older band, right, uh, right. but with a little bit of like Latin flavor and some of the Zydeco accordion that I love so much. Lyrically, it's pretty much just an I love you, baby song. Uh, not much as far as depth. So that brings us then to one of the oddest songs that I think is on this record, Lil King of Everything. Uh, it's very old timey and, and just like the only way to explain it is renaissance play, uh, the intro, Peter. (laughs) 
What was the Renaissance like in Mexico? <laughs> like, Dude, I have no idea. Come hither, Enrique, and see this clay sculpture. Some horchata, Enrique. <laughs> Forsooth, Rodrigo, never shall your wench's guacamole be outdoneth. <laughs> like, it just didn't feel like it should be on this record. And, like, it's... Oh, listen, I, I, I'm not saying I didn't like the song. It's a great song. It's just out of all the shit we've been going through for the first... 10 well the first nine songs prior just didn't fit with the record now we've come to the title track of the album will the wolf survive uh not only is it the title track like i just said but it's also the last song on the record not my favorite good song Mm -hmm. but i don't know if this is the way i wanted the album to end uh peter play 243 for me Actually, I want to take that back. I like this song. I do like it a lot. It's good, man. I, I can't shit on it. It's it's fucking good. Like it's it really is a it's like a fun song. It's it sounds a little dated, but I still feel like it, it's you know it's a strong strong song. Yeah, yeah. I like it. feels It, it feels familiar to me. You know, like yes, uh, other songs. Yeah, it sounds like it should be in like a montage of some guys like hiking. Yeah, yeah, or like a family in a station wagon going camping in that windy road, like. Well, the world's <laughs> and they're passing like snacks, but eating cheese its and shit. So the inspiration for this song as well as the title of the album was a National Geographic article titled, Where Can the Wolf Survive? It paralleled the band's struggles to find musical acceptance. According to drummer Louis Perez, it was like our group, our story. What is the beast? This animal that the record companies can't figure out. Will we be given the opportunity to make it or not? Uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, you figure these guys like they struggled from what I I did some reading prior to this about them and they struggled like they made their first record, which they made enough money off their first record to buy a van and tour. And that's where they constructed this. So they wrote this while they're in that van. So that's how I see it. All. Now, now, even wow. hearing that story and listening to the song and seeing like the title of it, mm-hmm. like it just makes me appreciate this band even more right. and appreciate this song. Um, do you feel like you're accepted in your career? I mean, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I would say. I mean, there's always like you know the the two sides, you know, and then even for my own community, Latino community, you know, I get people that are like oh you know he's feeding into this is a bad look for us or da 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 but it's like come on man uh it's that gets a little frustrating for me especially in the beginning you know when you're when you're like barely working your way up and nobody knows who you are da 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 like it, you know nobody's saying anything about it, it. but all of a yeah. sudden it gets big and obviously you know people say some negative stuff and, and it hurts but it's also like i've learned to like just focus on the positive because 99% of the feedback is good because it's relatable or, you know, Creeper's like the most popular. But I love I love doing Creeper because it's so nostalgic for me, you know. And like I'm doing a piece of my dad, my godfather, my cousins, like the things I grew up around. So I'm like, hell yeah. So when I see people connect with that, I'm like, you know, and he's not like too over the top and he's a positive dude. So it's like, all right, cool. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. 
For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Well, you know, what was like, the first moment? Was that was, was when Creeper dropped? Was that the first moment that you felt, felt accepted? Um... I mean, I still sometimes I feel not accepted, you know, So like now, you know, so it's like, I don't know if that's ever going to end. But but, uh, you know, I would say once I was able to just make a living and do shows and start touring and, you know, uh, is that when you you felt like you've ex- you accepted it, that you're actually like, no, I'm a part of this machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to change anything because this and that like, I, I you know. I'm the, yeah okay if it offends some people it offends some people that's just the way it is I mean and comedy nowadays especially in the the world we're living in today is like everything's kind of like you know like oh shit don't say that or don't say this so me doing a, a cholo character like based off whatever even my female character Juanita Carmelita is like dude these are just characters they're just jokes and there's just a reflection of my family and things I grew up around so it's like if you can't see that then you know you just keep it moving you want to do some facts and then we'll get out of here sure do whatever, some facts yeah. Uh, with the facts, the facts, the facts, facts and facts and facts, will the facts survive? In 1980, former Sex Pistol Johnny Lydon's new band, Public Image Limited, uh, which we actually just broke that down um, with Kyle Kinane. So terrible record. Uh, in 1980. <laughs> Former Sex Pistol Johnny Lydon's new band, PIL, were to play a show at the Grand Olympic Auditorium in downtown L.A. with several opening bands. When the band, the 45s, dropped out, Los Lobos filled in unannounced. One attendant was music journalist Chris Morris, future author of the only story of the band in print, Los Lobos Blue and Dream. His plus one that night was future producer and Los Lobos member Steve Berlin. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Good for them. Whoa. Chris recalled that the band were still mostly unknown East L.A. acoustic folk act, and they were then pelted by beer and other things by their first punk rock audience. They lasted about nine minutes on stage. Oh, my God. That is fucking insane to think about. Yeah, just getting. I mean, I, I once just had a rave doing stand up comedy. People started throwing glow sticks and beer at me, which oh, was fine. Sh- because, well, the glow sticks were cool. The beer, like, because you can you could see the glow stick coming, but the beer would. <laughs> you never saw that one. What's the worst show you ever played? Oh, gosh. It was a <clears throat> comedy club in uh, Pleasanton, California. Tommy T's and. Uh, oh, I've it, heard of that. It's yeah, wild. It was a. Uh, it was a Sunday show. The headliner that was there the whole weekend had a disagreement with, with the the owner of the club on the Saturday night after the second show. So, but so he was supposed to close the one last show, but he left. You know, he got in an argument. So, 
they had a they filled in with like a showcase and it was this dude's birthday from east oakland and you know he got this gator skin shoes doing it up seemed like a really cool dude but it, the, the whole crowd was packed i mean and, and it, you know and they were an east Lo oakland hood crowd and hey but it but uh, you know uh, i started it uh, up in the bay so yeah i was a i was a, i was confident you know because i started in a lot of you know, it's uh, your area. Latino it's rooms. Your, yeah, I started a lot know. of black rooms. I did rooms in like Richmond where it's just all black hood crowd. And like, that's how I started. So I was like, you know, I was like, all right, I got this. I got this. And then uh, they were, they did this showcase. And right when I got there, the host, Sugar Shay, she was like, oh, baby, you know, they're being rough and da da da. And I was like, but I was still like, I got this. Oh, you know? chill out, Sugar Shay. Like, I got you, girl. <laughs> it was Sugar like, Shay. I love that name. I was like a few years in, or I think maybe three or four years in. So I was kind of still like, oh, man, yeah, I'm killing it. Da -da -da. I'll get him. And I go back to the bar and order a drink. She's like, yeah, they're sending drinks back. Da -da -da. And I was like, nah, I got this. You know, the show looked like it was going okay. And then I went up and I had him for like the first 10 minutes. And I used to do this bit back in the day, you know, and I stopped. What was stopped it, doing it? It, was, it was like about a, a gay gangster hip hop group. I'm like, what are those? Like a, a, gay, a gay gangster hip hop group. But they were like dope and people were feeling them. And I had like four members and I had verses written out for each one and voices for each one. <laughs> so stupid. But I would do them in these rooms, man. And a lot of times they would hit, but it was like all Latino or all black rooms, you know, with, with you know, they get homophobic or they, very, it's a yeah. very risky joke. And sure enough, man, I did this joke. This crowd was not feeling it. I mean, they, like, crossed their arms, turned on me. And after that, like, I couldn't get them back, man. I turned into a robot just trying to get through my jokes. This dude stood up out of his chair, <laughs> stood up, and he's like, motherfucker, you ain't funny. And then it just sits back down. And I'm just like, oh, okay. And then I just go to the next joke. And then these two nice-looking black women up front, they look like they were just sweet, like, you know, cook, cook a nice meal for you or whatever. They're sitting up front. And out loud so everybody could hear because it was that quiet. You know, they're like, oh, baby, you look scared. You look uh -huh. scared. And I'm just like, uh, yeah, okay, next joke. Go to the thing. Dude, I was dying inside, man. Then I had the nerve to hang out after the show. Oh. Dude comes up to me, my boy G. King Sandy next to me and this dude comes up he's like tells you you should have stayed up there dude looks at me he goes practice practice and then just walks away and i was like oh, all right thanks man thanks for coming out and just like oh dude it, it was like rough for me to get on stage for like the next month you know i called every veteran oh, yeah. i knew i'm like here's what happened they're like hey man it's gotta happen it you know, has it's gotta to. happen everybody. no that's the best advice because i mean <laughs> i'm gonna dude i would have quit in the first year because i had a bad experiences where i would turn an audience off or they just it would just be awkwardly quiet and i was scared but yeah. that's the thing is that like it's those shows that just they anytime you get take a loss like that as long as you learn from it so now you know it's like all right well if i'm doing another like all black room or just like there's a lot of guys like do not do that joke you know but i mean yeah. at the same time fuck them like you should be able to do that joke joke's fucking funny <laughs> yeah 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 i mean there's times that i did it did it but i appreciate those rooms like that too you know it's just like the honesty you know like nah nah okay that was funny okay it's like <laughs> all right cool you know it's just like <laughs> but I love that shit, man. But uh, but yeah, yeah. I would say I take a piece of that set with me on stage every time. Every now. time, nah, just, to, just to you know, ah, good. It's a, it's a, it's an extra muscle. Good. You know you're mean? a stronger yeah. person. You're a better comic for it. So <laughs> fuck yeah. What's up, Sugar Shay? Uh, <laughs> all right, and now this fact is fucking insane. In 1986, at the urging of their shared record label, Warner Brothers, Los Lobos entered a studio to help Paul Simon work on his new album. After a fruitless first day, the band played Simon a new instrumental track from their next album. 
He took a liking to it, and they recorded it. However, when the record came out, it listed Paul Simon as the sole composer of the track, All Around the World or Myth of the Fingerprints. The record was the award-winning Graceland, and it sold 14 to 16 million records to date. This is where I, I think this is fucked. When the band contacted Paul Simon about getting a co-writing credit and share of the money, he told them, and I quote, try and sue me. Oh. Play the song real quick. Play the song. Because let's hear All Around the World in the Myth of the Fingerprints. I mean, that sounds exactly like three tracks off this record. <laughs> right. Dude, fuck Paul Simon. <laughs> Fucking Paul Simon, man. You what fuck. a dick, dude. Understandably, the band thinks he's an asshole. You ever get ripped off? Jesus. I mean, you know, I've had, yeah, you know, I've had people tell me, or even the video thing, especially with like Creeper and stuff like that, I've had some. You know, yeah, yeah. Some video my character's feed. Cleeper, little peeper. I peep, <laughs> I peep over walls, and it gets a workout like that. <laughs> it doesn't even have to be. It doesn't even have to be comedy wise. Have you ever been ripped off in your life? Oh, you mean like robbed? It like, could be anything. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. I've had my apartment robbed. I've had fucking car car broken into, like shit like that. Yeah. What was the worst? What's one stuff? I've been robbed like. Uh, a dude with a gun He didn't point it at me But he showed it to me You know And then But uh, I would say Getting getting my apartment raw Man it was fucking What was that It was fucked up uh, Be like 2005 I mean they just Like cleaned me out And it was just like Everything Even like my little I had like these clippers I used to shave my balls with And everything They even took that I'm like fuck man You gotta say <laughs> Dick trimmer yeah, yeah. They took my dick trimmer bro They took your dick trimmer <laughs> What the fuck? Dude, those are some good robbers. But you, you know there was a minute when they were, like, throwing shit in the bag. They were like, yo, should I get his ball clippers? Yeah, yeah. How do you know there was ball clippers? It could be his face clippers. Motherfucker, we know when the ball clippers. Look at that hair right there. That's all curly Q. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like it's from uh, fucking Abe Vigoda's head. Uh, all right. Final thoughts on the record. Oh, man, love it. Yeah. I mean. You know, there's a few tracks on there. Probably not going to listen to again, but but uh, <laughs> but uh, overall, I love it because I just love how they show their versatility on it, and uh, they were weren't afraid to commit. You know, because like when you talk about the struggles they had in becoming who they are, like I can totally see that. I felt that as a listener. You know, when I'm like, oh, we got to buy their album, and I'm like, what's all this other polka shit they got going on here? Yeah. This bluesy folk stuff. But then after you listen to it, and then you start embracing their voice, you're like, oh shit, okay, these guys are just dope as fuck you yeah. know and now also i'm like fuck paul simon man damn <laughs> <laughs> yeah fuck paul so take right, i hope he made it right if you, know? if you take any takeaway facts from this record yeah. <laughs> and feelings it's fuck paul simon uh frankie I, I i love watching the shit that you're doing and i love watching you rise man you're so funny and i can't thank you enough for coming on brother oh yeah thanks for having me man much continued success and much love baby <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed that conversation with Frankie. Really enjoyed that guy. 
guys. I hope you guys did too. For all things Frankie Quinones, go to his website, frankiequinones.com and check out his social media, at Frankie Quinones, where you can see all the incredible funny videos that that guy posts. Also, I'm going to be posting Frankie's Spotify mixtape on our website and on Soch, and you can find all things 500 at our website, the500podcast.com. Email me at 500podcasts at gmail.com. Tell me if you think this episode was awesome. If you think it sucked, still email us. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media and all tickets you can find at joshadammyers.com. Please subscribe on Spotify or your favorite platform, but subscribe on Spotify. And if you are listening to this on Apple, boo, leave a review. Boo, leave a review. Don't forget to follow my staff at Avery Funny, at DJ Morty Coyle, at JT Podcast Exec, at Badass Wizard, at Real Matt Pinfield. Now, we just listened to Los Lobos from 1984. For new music this week, our music director Matt Pinfield selected Goodbye June. Goodbye June are a three-piece band from Nashville who were inspired by Americana influences like the Black Crows and Los Lobos. The band is touring Europe right now where they have built a strong following after the last few tours. Listen to their track Anywhere the Wind Blows on Spotify and check out the link on our website, the500podcast.com. We're going to get you to come to the website. One way or another, you get in there. And if you're in a band and were directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured on the 500 website, send your song to 500podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you put the album and the artist that influenced you in the subject line. And if you guys are in a band and you want your song played on the 500, send us that with the release saying that we can play your song. And we will play a little bit of it and post it on our website because I want to launch bands. This is for all of y'all. If you're out there and you want to get heard, I am here to help. Send us your music. Let's launch some careers. Next week is Alice Cooper week with his 1971 album, Love It to Death. So you got some homework to do. Listen to the album on Spotify. Stay fleecy. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. Next Chapter Podcasts.